The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Those of you who uh, who pay attention to Big Blue View Radio, the shows here on Big Blue View Radio, know that, that I do a show a couple days a week. Chris Flum and Joe DeLeon have been doing three shows a week. In case you hadn't noticed this week, we added a new show, actually two new shows, hosted by Big Blue View contributor Nick Filato. On Mondays, we'll have Filato on football, which will cover the NFL. And on Fridays, we will have Filato's Fantasy Corner, obviously covering fantasy football. Thought it would be fun to uh, to have Nick come on and, and, and talk about those shows, talk about what uh, what you guys can expect and, and maybe even talk a little Giants. And uh, Nick is here now. So, Nick, after that that long-winded introduction, how you doing? I'm doing excellent, man, and I'm uh, honored to be on the Big Blue View podcast stream because I, I really think it's going to be a lot of fun talking some football, talking some fantasy. I've been playing fantasy football for so long, and now to finally have a podcast to really just air uh, everything about the sport, how to play it. I call it a sport even though it's really just an online game, but it's going to be a really good time. Yeah, and uh, folks, if you uh, if you didn't listen to Nick's uh, first episode this morning, uh, let me let me just tell you that that Nick gets just a little bit fired up. So uh, you guys <laughs> you guys you guys should enjoy uh, enjoy what you hear. So let's talk a little bit about the Monday show. What can folks expect to hear on the Monday show? You and I talked about this, and and we set that up as something that we really don't have here on the network and really don't do a lot of at Big Blue View. That's that's going to be a, a league-wide show. So just, just tell us a little bit about the kind of things you hope to talk about there. It's going to be covering the entirety of the NFL movements, thing, uh, X's and O's, things that have to do with the X's and O's as well. So we'll be diving into, say, if the Saints play the 49ers, like, 
why did Jimmy Garoppolo in the rushing attack beat the Saints or something along those lines. We'll be covering all the kind of transactions, the movements, and right now, everything that has to do with COVID-19 and the list. The last podcast I just came out with, which was the inaugural podcast, we talked about the Jamal Adams trade and how it does how it can help the Seahawks, but how it was, you know, a huge haul. We also talked about the COVID-19 reserve list and how the NFL can kind of manage through this crisis and hopefully not end up like the MLB. Yeah, hopefully. Let, let, let's cross our fingers on that one, Nick. And, and uh, on just, just give folks a little bit, in case they didn't listen, give folks a little bit of a sample, especially of, of what, you, uh, what you thought of the Jamal Adams trade. Just a little bit of what you talked about on the show. There's a winning window for the Seattle Seahawks, and they have Russ Wilson, who is an incredibly talented quarterback. And they want to get back to the point where they can play a lot of cover three buzz, just like they were able to do during the Legion of Boom years with someone like Cam Chancellor. So you bring in this hybrid second-level defender who can play, can fit the run, can be a force defender and do so many different things for the Seattle Seahawks defense. And they sacrificed – those first round picks, Bradley McDougal, who is a solid slot and safety kind of defender, and then the third round pick. But those two first round picks, if you look at the Seattle Seahawks as a whole, especially in the last five to 10 years, they have not been that great at drafting in the first round. And I go into some personal stories I have about some of their first round picks, some stories I have about some of their guys that I worked with down at the Senior Bowl, players like LJ Collier and Rashad Penny, who are both first round picks who... LJ Collier was hurt last year, but going into that draft, I did not see him as a first-round prospect. I was actually pretty shocked when I saw that he was the first pick out of my group. For those of you who do not know, I was the Senior Bowl North team's defensive line leader that year. So basically, I was just interning for the Reese's Senior Bowl. So LJ Collier was someone who was in my group. And when I heard he was the first one, obviously I was watching the draft, but when I saw he was the first one of my group over Charles O'Menohue and Zach Allen and some of the other talented defensive linemen that were drafted, I was pretty shocked. But Seattle has not done an excellent job at drafting in the first round. So they sacrificed 2021, 2022 first round picks to bring in Jamal, who is an excellent player who can really upgrade that defense. But is it going to be enough to get him over the hump in a division where you had the Cardinals who are ascending, the Rams who were in a Super Bowl two years ago, and the 49ers who were just in a Super Bowl. But you need to have an answer to defend players like Kyler Murray and George Kittle and all these guys that this division has. So Seattle really wanted to add that defender. They lost someone like Jadavion Clowney. They added him, but it's a really big haul. For me, I would be really ecstatic right now if I was a Jets fan, to be honest, because you need Joe Douglas to lay this foundation for this team and hopefully build something up around Sam Darnold. Hopefully, Joe Douglas can get that done. But, I mean, time will tell. Uh, if Seattle ends up winning the Super Bowl, this trade is perfectly worth it. But if not, and they flounder, and they can't really make the playoffs, which I want to say in the last eight years, they only missed the playoffs one time. So they've been going to the playoffs, and they're hoping that Jamal can get them over the hump. But we'll see. It's a very competitive NFC, to say the least. The, uh, the Jets, by the way, still do have Adam Gase. So, so there is that. <laughs> I, there I, is I talk, that. I talk a lot about Adam Gase and uh, his time in Miami. We saw with the Jay Ajayi trade, he didn't seem to mesh well with uh, Jay Ajayi, sends him up to Philadelphia, and what happens? They end up winning a Super Bowl. So it worked out for Jay Ajayi for sure. But Adam Gase, it doesn't seem like he has the best personality to be dealing with some star players. But Jamal Adams still called him out on social media, which is something that a lot of uh, players are doing. They, they take to social media when they want to change. And obviously Jamal Adams wanted a change and 
that usually means that the team that is trading him loses all the leverage, but not in this case. So they did not lose all the leverage because they were able to get two first round picks, a player and then a third. So if I'm a Jets fan, I'm like, wow, we could have, you know, this could have been a situation where we gave him up for pennies on the dollar and it just was not. So that's good for them. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your Friday show, the fantasy football show. And, and when we were discussing ideas, topics for, for you, as uh, you know, as we talked about you joining the, the podcast network, we talked about fantasy football and, and you told me that you generally play in some ungodly number of, of fantasy football leagues. Just, uh, it, just tell people a little bit about how long you've been playing fantasy football, how much you play fantasy football, and, uh, and the kind of insights maybe that, that you hope to offer in your Friday show. Yeah, so when July rolls around, I dive deep into fantasy football research every year. And I really, I kind of take it overboard, to be honest. It kind of consumes me because I absorb as much information and I look at statistics to really kind of put myself in a position throughout the year to maximize my potential to win the game. It's not an exact science, obviously. There's so much game theory, game script that goes into fantasy football. You could have the perfect matchup and then, say for a wide receiver, you're the perfect matchup, but then a team goes up 21, nothing like your wide receivers team and they're never throwing the ball. So your wide receiver won't be utilized as much. So those kind of things can happen. You injuries always happen as well. But I interned for, uh, for Matthew Barry's uh, fantasy app. It was called the fantasy life app with a couple of uh, people in the industry. And it forced me to really dive deep into the statistics. This was about two years ago. And I was uh, putting together red zone reports and all of these uh, really cool things. And I, I kind of learned a lot through that as well. And I got to meet Matthew Barry, who is obviously like, I guess you can consider one of the uh, premier people in fantasy football. But I've been playing since, I mean, I've been playing since high school, to be honest. But then I left for the Marines and I wasn't able to play that entire time. But when I came back, I started playing, you know, one league, two leagues here. And then over the last six years, I've been in between six to 12 leagues. And I kind of average around nine at this moment. And uh, they're very competitive leagues, usually, you know, $200, $100 buy-in type of leagues. And uh, I mean, I've had a lot of success in these leagues. You don't always win them. That's not, not really the case, but something you really got to pay attention to. And I'm hoping that uh, Big Blue View listeners will kind of join me in the process of assisting you on maximizing your potential to actually win your fantasy leagues. Cause a lot of people are just casual players. They'll throw a hundred bucks in and it's fun for them, but they're just casual players. But if you actually pay attention and you work the waiver wire and you draft well, and you consistently pay attention week after week to see how games are materializing and how players are advancing, then you can really honestly win that pot of money and put yourself in a really good position while having a really fun time, especially if you're in competitive leagues with friends. So I really think it's going to be a, a good time for uh, to just go over all that stuff with all of you. And we're really going to have a blast on this episode. I'll go over some of the uh, five of the top 10 tricks to, to, to do well in your draft, essentially how, how to draft. Cause we're entering draft season right now. It's August. It's just typically draft season. So five of the top 10 picks will be on Friday's episode. All right. And the other thing we hope to do with the fantasy football stuff is we hope to sort of expand our offerings on the website. We'll be uh, at least on Friday, we'll be trying to summarize a lot of what Nick talks about, offer some, uh, some lineup advice, perhaps uh, on Friday on the website to, 
to uh, to go hand in hand with with the podcast, and uh, Nick will be handling that, and maybe we'll we'll also you know consider some other fantasy football related uh, content as we go. But uh, for those of you who who are really deep into fantasy, sounds like Nick is your guy. Yeah, I would say uh, I, w- I would like to think so at least. I mean, I pay enough attention to it to where I would be. But well, uh... <laughs> well it, 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 if you're not the guy. We'll make you sound like the guy, and then they can all be mad at you when they lose their money. Okay, that's 100% fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, we will, uh, we will talk a little bit more with Nick about uh, one of his other passions, which is uh, your New York Giants. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine here talking with uh, with Big Blue View contributor Nick Filato. And we spent uh, the first part of the show talking about the the new podcasts we're launching on the, on the network here, which Nick is going to host. Uh, let's talk a little bit now about the uh, about the New York Giants and Nick, you know the one thing that 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 I saw that's sort of newsworthy the other day, or even yesterday, as we you know as, as we record this, we're recording on Monday uh, for our Tuesday show. It was that the Giants decided to go 80-man roster instead of waiting a couple of weeks to uh, to to cut down. That's kind of a reversal from what Joe Judge said a couple said a few days ago, but. In the current circumstance, it didn't surprise me at all. It just seems like with the limited amount of time and space, it seems like the logical thing to do. Um, you know, your, your thoughts on that and maybe your thoughts on the, on the list of guys that they let go, if any of those guys surprised you. None of them really surprised me. My thoughts on it is exactly what you already alluded to. It's a, it's a very unprecedented time right now for the New York Giants and they're taking it in stride. There's doesn't seem to be a necessarily set plan. There's going to be a lot of deviations from plans that will be set. So I do feel like just bringing in the 80 guys is going to behoove them right now because you don't know someone can else can other than David Sills can come down with the coronavirus land on that reserve list. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And as for some of the guys who were let go, I mean, John Hilleman, I expected him to probably get let go. I mean, you could say he was competing with Wayne Gallman, but it, he definitely wasn't a running back that really gave any fans any kind of intrigue. So he was one of the guys who was released, and the list outside of him was uh, pretty, I would say, just self-explanatory on guys I thought were going to be released. I would say the two guys that I was surprised because I, I thought maybe one of them could have made the roster was Dana Levine and Ola Wally Batuku, just because the Giants are somewhat thin at edge. But the Giants decided to go another way, and both those guys were released as well. So I can't say I'm shocked, but maybe that's a big vote of confidence for someone like Carter Coughlin, who was a seventh-round pick who can play edge. He has short arms, but he has a quick first step. 
So maybe possibly that's a vote of confidence for him. But yeah, those are the guys I would say that really kind of jump out. All the other guys, not as much for me. You know, it's a it's a really interesting year when it comes to uh, to roster construction in the way that uh, you know we we always look at practice squads and oh they you know nine or ten guys or whatever and you don't think about those guys very much but I as I did my last 53-man roster projection I realized that in this COVID-19 environment teams really have to think about how they're constructing their practice squad they've got 16 spots they can keep I think six players with unlimited experience it might behoove teams to keep an extra place kicker and an extra punter on their practice squads. So I just, I look at it and I think roster construction this year is maybe as interesting as it's ever been. Has to be. I mean, again, unprecedented times. I I can't, can't, it's going to be really difficult for them to really choose some of these guys. And they're really going to, I mean, they were going to put a precedent on versatility before, all of this and now I, I think it's just going to be even higher because you need players that are going to be able to step in and play effective football when somebody gets sick because that's just the reality that we're all living in right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is football is not a two or three superstar game like basketball is. And it's not a, a game where, you know, if you if you have one ace pitcher, you're guaranteed to be a pretty good team. Um it's a game that requires everybody on the roster at some point. And, and, you know, you get injuries, you get all kinds of things. And this year you've got, you know, COVID-19 illnesses on top of that. I think it's just an unprecedented year to, uh, to test versatility on rosters and to test coaches. Yeah. I mean, the coaches are definitely going to be tested. That's a whole nother aspect of this is coaches can get sick too. Mm-hmm. So say the head coach gets sick, then one of the coordinators is going to have to step up and be the head guy. If a coordinator gets sick, then a position coach is going to have to step up. There's just, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that can go wrong as well. It's going to take a lot of like cohesive, a cohesive nature to really kind of allow some of those coaches to step up and fill the void of somebody who lands on the COVID list. Not to mention with something like this virus, you get enough people in one room that thing can spread like we saw with the Miami Marlins. And you just don't really exactly know how the team can bounce back from that. And that's something that the NFL is going to have to tackle. Right. One of the things that I wrote about on Monday at big blue view is the idea that actually the giants with the way Joe judge has constructed his coaching staff, the giants have a lot of options. If, you know, if, you know, God forbid, if Joe Judge were to get sick, they have Jason Garrett on their staff, who's got 10 years of head coaching experience. Brett Bielema has, I think, 155 games of Division I, you know, NCAA experience. Derek Dooley is on that staff, and he's been head coach of three big-time, you know, college football programs. Freddie Kitchens didn't do very well, but he's been an NFL head coach. Um, you know, I, I wondered if you could even look to give that job to Thomas McGahee for a couple of weeks. So I look at the Giants and I think I was, I've always been impressed by this coaching staff. But when I started to think about it from that angle, I came away even more impressed. Just, just your thoughts on that, on the, on the coaching staff in general. Coaching staff is filled with 
very experienced coaches when it comes to being the head guy. You even have guys who haven't necessarily been the head guy, like Tyke Tolbert, uh, Jerome Anders, or Henderson, I'm sorry, who are also really experienced coaches. Obviously, you have Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, who's been around, and he's somebody who we hope can stabilize this defense that had so many holes uh, under James Betcher last year. It should be a much more simplified defense, and I don't mean that in a disparaging manner. I mean that as a good thing because we've seen what happened in James Betcher's system with the blown coverages hopefully that doesn't happen this year there won't be as many mistakes but I couldn't agree more I mean Joe Judge should be uh, applauded for the staff that he was able to assemble you're able to get coach chaos uh, Sean Spencer from Penn State and I know people at Penn State and they're devastated by that loss they think that's going to be a really huge get for the New York Giants so I really love the staff I like the players that they or the coaches I should say that they retained like Tyke Tolbert the wide receiver coach like Thomas McGahee the special teams coordinator I thought that was a really wise move as well so I'm, I'm excited to see also how Daniel Jones uh, plays with Jerry Shaplitsky who is the uh, quarterback coach as well so I think it's going to be a they could, there's a really good coaching staff which can really set a good foundation for the New York Giants because it is such a young team and you do have some veteran coaches there like Jason Garrett as you just talked about I think it can uh, work out but uh, like we said, man, <laughs> there's so much uncertainty right now with COVID. In a normal offseason, I would be really, really, um, I would say I would be really intrigued going into the season with these coaches and this young team going forward. But everything gets thrown amok in 2020. Nick, we have to also talk about Joe Judge himself. I wrote on Sunday that, again, in listening to Judge during his Zoom conference with media that he held on Friday, once again, I came away impressed. Once again, he seems to he seems to be delivering the right message, sort of hitting all of the right notes. And the more you listen to him, the more you come away thinking maybe the Giants weren't crazy to give a 38-year-old head coach who's never done this job before and really wasn't on anyone else's radar, maybe they weren't crazy to give him this job you know, that being said, it's easy to win the press conference. It's kind of easy to win the offseason as, as a head coach. But I just, I, I just want to know if you agree with me that, that the more we get to know Joe Judge a little bit, it's, it's hard not to be impressed. It's hard not to feel like, like he could be the right guy. He said all the right things. He's been around all the right coaches. I mean, just not even just Bill Belichick himself. You know, Bill Belichick expanded his workload by at, allowing him to be the wide receiver coach last year, which was a huge responsibility on top of being the special teams coordinator. But before he was there, he was with Alabama with Nick Saban learning under that brilliant football mind. So, yeah, he has the experience that and experience, the composure, and he seems to say all the right things, like you said, man. I'm very, very excited about what Joe Judge can offer the New York Giants, at least on paper and from what he said. Now, we need to see it. We need to see it go now on the field. That needs to translate to the football field, and that doesn't always happen. We also need to see how Joe Judge handles the locker room if the Giants, say, start 0-3 or some huge adversity hits the team. Will the message still land the same way? And that's something that – it's going to take that to happen in order for us to see it materialize. I'm confident in it because it seems like he stands by his convictions and it seems like he has a plan of attack on how to lead a team. So I'm confident that he can do it, but we have to see it happen. So hopefully the giants don't get put into a position where they go on and three. They don't need to do that, but 
He's never been a head coach before. So how do you handle, you know, 53 guys looking at you and saying, we're losing, you know, what are we going to do? What are we right. going to do? Cause we've seen plenty right. of coaches in the past fold in that, in that kind of manner. So I, I'm confident that he won't, but we'll have to see it happen. Right. Last thing for you, I have written, I've been asked a number of times, how do we look at the 2020 season? How do we measure? Is it successful? Is it not successful? Do do the Giants have to win a certain number of games? You know, how do you judge? How do you measure the 2020 season? And, and, and the more I thought about it, because we don't even know how many games are going to be played. We don't know who's going to be sick. We don't know who's going to be hurt. You know, we don't know who's going to opt out yet. We've already seen a couple of Giants, including Nate Solder, opt out. And and as much as you're up, you might be optimistic about Andrew Thomas, that puts a lot more pressure on him initially. But what I finally settled on when I think of of how do you judge success or failure this coming season, and I, I think I come down to two things. When the season ends, whatever form that takes, do we have a clear idea if Joe Judge is going to be the right head coach? And do we have a better idea if Daniel Jones is the long-term franchise quarterback? I really think the season, forget the one-loss record, forget all of that. I think the season comes down to answering those two questions. I don't disagree, but in terms of Daniel Jones, that young man is put into a really, really tough spot right now. I don't want to make excuses for him. He had a really, really good rookie season, but now you have a new system, a totally different terminology coming in, and you're not, you're not necessarily getting the practice reps, as many practice reps as you would in a normal offseason. It could be a, a, a sophomore slump, and my, my one reservation is I don't want to, if he has a sophomore slump, say, okay, this guy isn't the guy, long-term guy. I think he has to get like that extra year to that extra year to kind of show that he's a competent quarterback in a normal off season, because this it's a young team. It's a very young team. You just lost your left tackle and say what you want about Nate Solder still losing your starting left tackle. There's something, there's going to be some negative ramifications from maybe a leadership perspective, even an on-field perspective as well even though he wasn't a high-end starter, he's still a starting left tackle in the NFL. But I think when it, in terms of Daniel Jones, it's going to be hard to evaluate if he does struggle because learning a whole new system is like learning a whole new language. And if you don't have the practice reps to, uh, to kind of go through and make the mistakes in practice and kind of learn from those mistakes, those mistakes can translate into the game. And that could be something that really uh, hinders his development in his second season. So if he does have that sophomore slump, I don't think I will fully write him off or say, you know, I don't know if this is this guy unless he's making incredibly boneheaded plays where it's like, okay, I don't know what he's looking at or he's totally overlooking the fetters, you know, depends on how it materializes and manifests itself. But I definitely want to want to see him in this new system with an actual off season. And in terms of Joe judge, if the team mutinizes against them, that would be something that would definitely carry concern for me but if the team is losing and they're competitive I, I think I'm willing to forget if the win-loss record isn't as good as we all hope it hope it can be you know what I'm saying sure sure you know it's uh I think I talked to Sean O'Hara this offseason and he said you know all wins 
are not created equal, just like all losses are not created equal. So you kind of have to, just like, you know, poor quarterback statistics are, they could be due to poor quarterback play. They could be due to a lot of other things around, you know, around the quarterback. And, and, and Nick, you know, that's why I have you and that's why I have Mark Schofield. And that's why I have Chris is to, to, to figure all of those things out. You know, that's, that, that's what you guys are for. Not me. Yeah. Hey, we love doing it too. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to be honest, trying to parse through everything that has to do with this great game that we all love. All right. Hey, Giants fans, I think we will uh, we'll call it a show for today at this point. Nick, thank you very, very much. And uh, folks, please make sure that you check out Nick's shows here on Big Blue View Radio on, on Mondays and Fridays. And those of you who uh, who follow along via iTunes, you know, please uh, drop a comment. Let us know what you think uh, of of Nick's show, of my show, of the Chris and Joe show you know, what we can improve, what you might like to see going forward. And as always, we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.